HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program was brought to you by Emmy Cheese, specialty cheese from Switzerland made with heart and passion. For more information, visit meusa.com. This week on Meet and 3, we're exploring the culinary wonders of urban New Jersey with a tour through Newark. We speak to Frank Mentesana at Phillips Academy Public Charter School. This idea of family style and made-from-scratch lunches continues to be a bit of an anomaly in the city. We also hear from Gil Speyer from All Points West Distillery. Newark used to have an incredibly rich beverage alcohol history. And we'll tour Aero Farms, the world's largest indoor vertical farm. We're growing using 390 times more productivity than field farming and 95% less water. Tune in to this week's Meet and 3 on Heritage Radio Network to be amazed at the wonders of Newark. That's meet plus sign T-H-R-E-E. Available wherever you listen to podcasts. Hello, and welcome to Cutting the Curd on the Heritage Radio Network. I'm Elena Santagate. Today, I'm happy to have Rachel Smith of Denver's Godzur Sour Beer Tap Room here in the studio with me. Godzur, meaning good acid in Dutch, has a super unique angle. According to their website, it's the first, the world's first sour beer tap room. They're a self-proclaimed sanctuary for sour beers, boutique cheeses as well, of course, cutting-edge charcuterie, and fresh-baked bread. Rachel Smith is the general manager of Godzur, and she also happens to be an American Cheese Society certified cheese professional. Rachel, welcome to Cutting the Curd. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. My last few guests have been over the phone, so having you here in the studio at Roberta's is amazing. I'm really happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Um, Okay, so let's talk about Godzur. And um, I've, I've been there, as you know, and I loved it. And I kind of want to paint the picture of for our listeners of the neighborhood. Is it Five Points? Yeah, Five Did Points in right? Denver. Okay. Yeah, so it's a really um, historic jazz neighborhood. Um, and so, is that what the five? Like, what do the Five Points refer to? Um, so there's just um, it's five different neighborhoods that kind of intersect at one point, and it's a really interesting inter- intersection that has five different roads that all meet together. Oh. Um, so that's kind of the point that's um, that they're referencing, and it's just um, about block and a half down from where we are. Okay, and you said it's a jazz neighborhood? Yeah, so it's uh, it's been a very historic neighborhood in Denver, um, so 
you know, as it's been developing, there's a lot of talk about how the neighborhood's going to expand oh, and grow. Yes. It's very familiar to New York. So. Oh, yes. Well, we're sitting in one such neighborhood <laughs> exactly. here in Bushwick, which many people would never believe if they'd only seen it 30 years ago and exactly. then see it today. Um, okay. And so then when did you all open your doors at Goatzer? So we opened uh, May 8th. Two, so it'll be two years um, on May 8th this year. Oh, coming yeah. up on it. That's a big anniversary. Yes, it is. Oh. Kind of made it over the hump, as some restaurant people will say. Yes, yes. Two years. That's a big one. And do you think that, do you consider yourselves now, I know that, you know, it's a sour beer tap room, but you also have a pretty extensive menu, and the food focus seems like a big one. Like, do you con- consider yourselves a more bar, restaurant? Like, what is... How do you think of it? Yeah, so that's kind of interesting. When we first started, we thought it would be more of a sour beer tap room. And when you were kind of introducing us, that was definitely kind of more the focus. focus. And it was more going to be bar snacks with some really amazing cheese, Mm -hmm. but maybe not as extensive as it is now. Mm -hmm. Um, And then we realized that there's a lot of people coming in for sour beer, but there was a lot of people coming in for the food. Hmm. Um, And it wasn't just because of my great cheese selection oh, <laughs> but sure, but Anthony um Anthony LaPiccolo our head chef um he just his food got a lot of attention immediately mm. out of the gate and so we had a lot of people coming in just for the food and that really weren't into sour beer hmm. as much they were interested in it but you know they maybe were looking for wine or some right. non-sour beers as well so it kind of transformed and we've kind of evolved with what the consumer was asking for hmm. interesting and the um the whole idea of Godzor sprouted from, like, from what I understand in my research, a group of friends that were basically like loving sour beers and just wanted to have bigger selection and share that with with other people. Essentially, yeah, is that exact- the deal? Yeah, exactly. So Anthony is one of the owners, and then the other owner would be uh, John Feyman. Um, he's from uh, Backcountry Pizza in Boulder. Is his other restaurant? It's mm-hmm. more of a tap room with seventy beers and more bar oh, food wow. focus. Um, and they were just drinking sour beers in a garage, eating good food, <laughs> and was like, I just want to do this somewhere. Like, why is there nowhere I can go do this? I like and that. And so, um, you know, because most beer bars kind of have a more sports bar atmosphere, mm, yeah. and, um, you know, maybe not as inviting for someone who, when there's a sports game on, you just want to go and have a, right. a nice drink. And, and hang out it, with your friends. Exactly. Right. So kind of having a di- different atmosphere than a lot of other beer mm. bars was kind of our... That was a big part of it. Yes. Now, how many beers do you have on, and I assume you have some on tap, and then you have a bottle program. Yes. So what's the number like? So we have 26 on draft. And uh, all sour. We've rotated a little bit okay. there. Again, yeah. just kind of always saying we've evolved as looking at what the consumer Something needs. for everyone. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, especially as a new restaurant in a newer neighborhood that's right. developing. It's, um, it's Some flexibility makes sense. Absolutely. And just really... You know, at the end of the day, it is a business, so you need to make sure that you have people in the door (laughs) that want your product. And Mm so, um, so now it's twenty-three are going to be sour, Mm. and then three are non-sour. So it's not; it's still very sour focused. And then our (laughs) bottle program is about um, like over two hundred bottles now, I believe. Um, And those are exclusively sours. Okay. And then we recently, within the past six months, have brought in some natural wine, Mm. um, which kind of goes along with the sour beer Mm because they're both spontaneously fermented. And um, they have that good acid that your focus is on. Exactly. (laughs) And then some of we have like five or six high end spirits now as well. Oh, cool. Yeah. So that's like quite an amazing selection. Yes. Um, And then now tell me. So it sounds like some people showed up. 
loved the food and probably were curious but confused by sour beer, I would imagine. Yes. How many, like, have you converted the neighborhood into sour beer fans? Like, how I, how has it gone? I think there's definitely some people who came in a little weary of what sour beer was, but mm-hmm. still really intrigued on trying something. And those yeah. are the easiest people to, you know, hop on the sour right, beer train. Like and open to it. Exactly. So. And then a lot of people's interpretation of sour beer is that they're all going to be like, like a Sour Patch Kid sour. Mm. And really more traditional, more spontaneous and wild ales are going to be more barnyardy, funky, funky with yeah. some slight tartness to it. And then right. more the like, Newer styles of sours are going to have a, like maybe a lot of fruit forward, a little bit mm. sweeter, um, or some are just people really. Sometimes the one question we always joke about is, "What's your most sour sour?" And it's like, <laughs> yes. uh, okay, like I have that, I can answer that question, but it's, it's not necessarily what. It's not necessarily like the most interesting exactly. thing you might recommend. Yeah, and you just your palate just is like feels it in a completely different place, and right. you know, it's it's interesting to see what people go for. Hmm. Do you do flights and tastings? Um, so we do five ounce pours oh, or okay. ten ounce pours um, mm-hmm. for all of our sours. So um, I'd say a lot. Of, we get that question a lot, but mm-hmm. the five ounce pours is just a little bit larger than a lot of flight pours, and so yeah. we kind of, and similar to the cheese program, it's order what you want, and we'll mm-hmm. and the staff is really there to guide you through it. Okay. So um, the cheese is all available to order by the ounce, and then we have the five ounce pours of the beers. So mm-hmm. it's really kind of create your own flight. Yeah. Um, and the staff is really there to guide you along. So for in getting to the cheese part of yes. all of this, uh, sour beer and cheese, amazing combination. Absolutely. I mean, it, it feels like when, when you have it, I, I remember tasting that combination for the first time and like losing my mind. I could tell you the year and probably the date. I think it was, <laughs> uh, maybe I'm late to the game. I don't know, but it was January, 2013. No, you're new to late. the game. That was new? Yeah. That was early? You're good. <laughs> that was, that's when I first had cheese and sour beer. Um, so do you do a lot of pairings for folks? If you've got, I want to hear about your cheese selection too. I'm curious how many yeah. cheeses are, are on the menu, but how much are people ordering specific stuff versus you sort of making suggestions? Yeah. So, um, from my perspective in the kitchen, so we have a small eight seat chef counter, which is kind of my... I really like that because it reminds me of being back on the retail side mm-hmm. of things where I can really have that one-on-one interaction and give people a taste of something and kind of right. see where they want to go. Um, and then besides that, I really feel like it's hard for me to say how many people because I'm not necessarily on the floor taking the mm-hmm. orders every time because I've directed them to send the to pick the cheeses out and talk to them. So mm-hmm. I think it's kind of a collaborative effort, but I would say that... Um, at least like of our cheese boards that are coming in, almost half are going to be people ordering their own, mm-hmm. like their own selection of cheeses versus just like the, we have a dealer's choice board. So I they're see. like three cheeses, five cheeses, or two meats right. and two cheeses. And then we'll have some themed boards as well. So we'll have like an Italian board or a oh, local nice. board and stuff like that. And so if, if someone comes to the counter and sort of says they're interested in a specific beer, but they're not sure about the cheese, then that's where you can kind of get creative. Absolutely. And do a pairing for them. Yeah. Okay, now, of course, I'm going to ask, what's your favorite pairing right now? Ooh, my favorite pairing. Yeah. That's hard. Or, <laughs> or even so just a delicious one. one. Yeah, yeah, what's a great one that we could talk about? Um. Well, so we had a really interesting beer from Modern Times that was uh, mm. aged in sherry barrels that mm. I really loved. And then I just love pairing Blue Rhine cheeses in general mm. with um, just with sour beer. I think that they're a great they're a great match in general. Yeah. So um, 
And then classic that is a great seller for us every time is just Robiola Bocina. And it's like uh, the, it's yeah. classic and great. And, and it's like everybody, it's a crowd Totally pleaser. lovable, yeah. Yes, exactly. We have some cheeses that people will like personally find me on Facebook if I take off the menu. Like Prairie Breeze. People oh, yeah. have stalked me on Facebook and been like, where is the Prairie Breeze? And, and I have to like bring it back. So and now like, I just okay. keep a block. I thought, I thought I was going to rotate my selection. but I don't even put it on the menu. I just keep it in the back. And then the people who know about so it still funny. just order it. That's amazing. I know. That shows that you've got a dedicated customer base right there. Yeah. Two years in, I'm impressed that you could have a secret block of cheddar in the back that only <laughs> The in the nose know about yeah absolutely wow um so how many cheeses do you have at um, any given time between 20 and 25 maybe a little bit more every once in a while mm-hmm. when I get too excited but <laughs> <laughs> and do you you know one of the things that it, it's interesting because we've been I've had I had Rachel Freer on the show a, a few months ago, and it was a really exciting episode because we talked a lot about food service and how um, to get more cheese in the kitchen. And I, I feel like there aren't, and Rachel and I were both sort of spirited talking about this, that we wanted there, we want there to be more of a focus on cheese in, you know, bar, restaurant, prepared food settings. Um, and so... I'm curious, like, has the selection, two, you're two years in, has the selection of cheeses grown, stayed the same, gotten smaller? Like, do you feel that you're keeping up with the inventory demand in that way? Like, when you're ordering that many cheeses, just keeping them all in good shape can be a, a challenge, yeah, right? Um, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, so how is that going? And what, how, it, how are you feeling the trend in terms of the last two years? Yeah, um, I feel like we, so we definitely grew in that first like six months to a year Mm -hmm. we went from 12 cheeses to 25 Ah, so um, that's great yeah and it but our food menu in general went from a single like one small sheet of paper with Mm -hmm. some bar snacks a couple entrees and then a cheese selection Mm -hmm. to a full food menu and Mm -hmm. then plus 25 cheeses and 15 different charcuterie items wow so it expanded quite a bit um, so that was just mostly people just ordering a lot of cheese and they were interested mm. and I was willing to listen and very excited <laughs> also. Um, and so it was kind of, that was a lot of it. And then as the selection goes, um, it's kind of, it's fluctuated a little bit. Mm. Um, it's hard for me because I really would love to buy all domestic che- made mm. cheeses would really, yeah. I just, obviously the European classics have their place, but yeah. when I have a captive restaurant audience mm-hmm. and they're already there to most of them are there for the sour beer and those are the easiest converts to being cheese nerds without them even realizing it because you speak the same language so I found Mm. like when you're when I'm selling cheese to somebody like the words mold bacteria microbes like that can Mm -hmm. kind of put people off these people aren't scared by those terms at all so you can they're already thinking about them in terms of they call them bugs in beer like they're like they call like it's like a common way to be like oh those bugs are good um so like they're (laughs) really not like afraid of like Mm. kind of the nitty-gritty right actually how fermented food works yeah there's there's a way and you know listeners i'm curious Write in to us. I'll 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 plug the, our social media handles and our email address at the end of the show. But I'm curious how many of you feel comfortable with those terms. And the terms we're talking about are bacteria, microbes, mold, fungi, yeast. Yeah. I mean, like, are you used to? 
talking about those in terms of cheese or how often is it more of like just talking about flavor and aroma yeah you know like there's sort of these two versions of the cheese language i think right yeah i felt that before this job i was kind of was taught to kind of stray away from some of the words that i used to sell the cheese and that Mm -hmm. really grabbed people on board right so like for example we sell um the cave age butter from crown finish caves we sell so much of that and Mm -hmm. talking about how that flavor comes from it being in that cave with all those other cheeses Mm -hmm. that I think gets people so excited Mm -hmm. at our shop because of you know just the talk about what's going on with the beer Um, and so it's it's really easy to transfer into those conversations so right right Um, it's it's so interesting because uh, I don't know it's like having you mentioned having a captive audience is a big deal and when I think about uh, like the the couple of minutes that you get lucky enough to have someone at like a, a retail counter mm-hmm. versus make, potentially having somebody sit in front of you for an hour or longer yeah. at a tap room and you know restaurant style sort of uh, setting that seems really unique. Absolutely, and especially if they see sit, sit at that counter, our mm. um, our kitchen's completely open, mm. and then my little cheese station is as close to the counter as right. If I remember correctly, is your cheese station facing? You're like facing the chef's counter seating. Uh, right we're just kind of we're right, right to the side to of it. Okay. Yeah. So okay. um, I, if somebody sits in a certain seat, I have to move some of my stuff to get <laughs> to get it out of their way because um, I'll put all of my fresh bread and you know a wow. notebook and all that stuff. So you're really like right in the mix, and so especially if you sit up there just to, mm-hmm. um, you know, people are really intrigued with seeing the whole wheels of cheese, which kind of... Oh, it's always fun, I, I think. You know, like, <laughs> before I ever worked in cheese, seeing a whole wheel opened up and people broken down... their minds. Yeah, especially if you give them a little taste. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's the best. Whenever I teach classes, I always tell everyone, if you see a wheel being opened, ask, ask for a taste. <laughs> <laughs> the freshest bite. Yes. Um, so let's take a... We're going to jump out for a quick break. And then uh, listeners will be back with Rachel Smith of Godzur in Denver. Great. Today's program was brought to you by Emmy Cheese, specialty cheese from Switzerland made with heart and passion. Since the early 1900s, Emmy has been a passionate supporter of farmers, cheesemakers, and family tradition. They believe in sustainable agriculture and respect for the people, land, and animals that make their business possible. Remaining dedicated to tradition, they strive to lead the industry in innovation, ensuring they bring you only the highest quality, best tasting cheese from Switzerland. Emmy is best known for importing more than 80% of Swiss Gruyere into the United States, but that's not to overshadow their other specialty cheeses, including Kotbalt Cave Age cheeses, Appenzeller, Tete de Moine, and traditional Emmentaler. For more information, visit emmyusa.com. Are you enjoying our podcast? Heritage Radio Network has lots more. I'm Ethan Frisch. And I'm Jenny Dorsey. And together we host Why Food, a podcast about innovators, career changers, and entrepreneurs who are changing the face of food. How did these folks decide to hit the brakes, start over, and become inspiring chefs, entrepreneurs, farmers, and activists they are today? Browse episodes of Why Food wherever you listen to podcasts and on heritageradionetwork.org. Welcome back to Cutting the Curd. I'm Elena Santigade, and I'm here with Rachel Smith of the first of the world's first sour beer tap room, Godzer, which I keep almost mispronouncing. Most by the way. people do. So this is a you. Now I read it was a Dutch, and you said you mentioned Flemish yes. word. Um, what 
why Flemish? So sour beer are more wild uh, lambic styles. Right. Um, lambic is the more traditional Belgian style. Is kind of our true inspiration. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, we focus a lot on all different kinds of sour and wild ales, but um, mm-hmm. the original um, inspiration was kind of more of a Belgian style. And is that real? Is like are the the Flemish, the Belgian beers, those lambics? Is that like the original sour beer? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think when you go back far enough in the beer history, mm-hmm. um, all of the beers are going to be kind of in that sour wild, right? Because that's of how they just, began. That's the only. Right. That's the only way. <laughs> there weren't commercial yeasts. Exactly. There you didn't have you know. a closed tank system. Everything right. was open fermentation. So you're obviously going to have the influence from their native microbes, no matter what. Right. Um, and so just kind of as brewing has developed people mm-hmm. have kind of similar to cheese making have still relied on those traditional methods to totally to produce those same flavors now were you always interested in sour beer because um, you have a cheese background yes more I do. than beer yes so it's kind of funny how the world's collided for me i uh went to cu boulder and was studying uh bio there and then during college i worked at the farmer's markets for haystack creamery mm. um at a longmont and, and Haystack that, Mountain makes a lot of goat cheese, mostly goat, all goat cheeses? Uh, it was uh, all goat when I first started, right. and then we started to bring in some cow milk okay. cheeses. Okay, doing mixed milk. Yes, and absolutely. Yeah. Um, so they... Um, it was Sunlight. That's the yes. cheese that yeah, I Yeah, the wash-drined one mm-hmm. that they... And then the queso de manos, kind oh, of yes. their uh, garrocha-inspired cheese. Yes. That one's my favorite. Mm, so tasty. Yeah. So I uh, worked for the farmer's market for them, and then I worked at Backcountry Pizza in Boulder was my oh. other part-time job during school. And the Backcountry Pizza, that's the owner of that exactly. business is now one of them. Okay. Yes. And then Anthony was the chef there. So we Got kind it. of all so linked up there. Linked up. And then kind of went to the other side of food service industry, took a break from the cheese thing but um was always kind of the designated cheese person Mm. in the restaurant no matter what and then kind of moved around a lot after school because that's what one does in there that's what happens (laughs) mid-20s so i was worked at a cheese shop in breckenridge and helped open up the restaurant at breckenridge distillery and they had a great Mm -hmm. they had a few different cheese and charcuterie boards there that i got um to help out with and then was out here for a little bit. Yeah, you had you had a, a stint to, in New York City. Yes, in the very cheese briefly, world. <laughs> but it was it was. I've learned so much, and honestly, in New York, mm-hmm. very quickly. So well, and listeners, Rachel and I both have a, a cheese spot in common where we both uh, spent time at Beecher's, and I can hear that like your devotion to American-made cheeses may have maybe that had something to do with it. Yeah, yeah. Beecher's, and then also. Um, working at Saxelby's, obviously. Yes. They, and then that just, the Vermont cheeses just kind of... They grabbed you. Oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Hence why I'm out here right now. <laughs> okay, so that brings me to my next question, which is, what are you doing here? And yes. I, I sort of know, but um, for our listeners, why don't you describe the project that brought you out to the East Coast? Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So I've always been a huge fan of Parish Hill and mm-hmm. Peter Dixon and... Um, we kind of met um, a couple years ago when ACS was in Denver, and then last year we kind of had a GoFundMe so I could go take my uh, CCP exam and mm-hmm. then got to kind of talk more with him there, and we were talking about washing a cheese and sour beer because of, mm-hmm. I just think that I'm really interested in kind of, again, back to the microbe side of things. Yeah. I just, to me, there's so many like live 
things and the yeah. beer and live things and the cheese, just that collaborative. Mm-hmm. Um, and the history, of, I mean, even just the Belgian history of washing exactly. cheese with beer is, is a big one. Yeah. Right? And um, I was kind of, we were standing there and we saw them from afar. I was, Anthony was like, just go up and ask him. And <laughs> I was like, ask. I don't know. What if they say no? He's like, just go do it. <laughs> I was like, okay. So like walked up. And so we made a collaboration beer hmm. um, spring of last year. Okay. Um, called Acid Jazz, and so there's a Five Points Jazz Fest every year oh. in May, uh, May 18th. Ooh, that's this right year. around your anniversary. Yes, exactly. Um, so we made the we released this collaboration beer. It's a lambic style made with Westbound and Down, a Colorado brewery, mm-hmm. and then we have local peaches and cherries added to that. Now wait, are you are you guys at Goatzer making the beer, or well, you're not- having? We're they not, make it. Okay. Yeah, so they make the beer, and then so they had these different blends, and then we, so we blended these golden sours together, barrel-aged them, and then added fruit to it to kind of make our own exclusive blend. Wow. And then so then we sent, so we talked to Peter, and we sent this, Peter and Rachel, and we sent this all this beer out to them. All mm-hmm. the bottles safely got there, which was great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the first hurdle to yes, go over. <laughs> they got there, and then you don't drink them is the other hard part. <laughs> um, and so it's, uh, yeah, so they um, have been washing this batch of Humple for us. Hmm. And uh, we got a, We were planning on going out a little later to get it. Mm-hmm. And um, Peter and Rachel called, and they were like, it's perfect it's now. Like, oh, my gosh. Come now. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a baby. So, exactly. <laughs> so um, we bought our plane flights and my mom happens to be moving out uh to LA and she lives here now so we're gonna help drive her car out by taking the cheese with it it's perfect it's like everything fell in the right place um so we made our own kind of exclusive version of humble which we are cleverly calling acid washed nice I really like that (laughs) acid washed yes and so okay how old is the cheese roughly um I believe it would be should have figured that. That's okay. Like Quick math. Six months. Okay. Yeah. And um, tell us about it. How does it taste? Have you tried it? I yet? haven't tried it oh yet. So the anticipation is killing me. So you are you on your way up to yes. get it? You're so not I'm on here your way today, out. And then tomorrow morning, oh I will drive gosh. up there, spend the day with them, and stay at their. Oh, with wow. them tomorrow. And then on Tuesday, I'll drive back. And then we're kind of selling some wheels yeah. on our road trip. And kind of, you know, we want to visit with some people we haven't had the opportunity to meet. And what's a greater way to meet somebody than to show up with, with the um, wheels of cheese with wheels of cheese that you can't get anywhere else? Yeah. It's, I, that, so listeners, that's how I found out about Rachel's journey and snagged her for the show. Because <laughs> um, I heard that she was, you know, offering a few of these wheels from the batch to other other folks who are curious and I think Casalula took you up on a wheel yes. and um, then we have some other places in Chicago and Detroit as well who wow, took us up so on it so you're going to make stops on your road trip yes. back to Denver yeah so tourist is taking some mm-hmm. um, here and yeah. then Pastoral is mm-hmm. going to take some in Detroit. The Cheese Lady will be taking oh, some nice. as well. So um, yeah, it's going to wow. be fun. So listeners, where you can you look for Acid Wash? Yes. Um, collaboration cheese between Parish Hill Creamery and Goatzer. Um and yeah, we just yeah. cited the spots, but we'll list them in the show notes too. The locations where you can get those get it. to you as I find out who else is going to take the okay, rest of yeah, them. Okay, <laughs> yeah, we'll add it. We'll keep adding yeah, them. Yeah, because we and do if, have 140 pounds, so for a restaurant, that's that's kind of a lot. That's kind of a lot. Um, <laughs> but I think, given that we we go through a lot of cheese, most yeah. people are eating cheese when they're in our restaurants. So. Yeah, I would imagine. Yeah. Um, so. Back to the restaurant and sort of your role there. It sounds like you're stationed at 
the cheesemongers sort of station or the the cheese station. Yes, whatever I try to be it. there as much as possible. These days, the office calls uh, me more than yes. I would like. Right. But, um, so I'm trying to train some other staff to maybe become cheese nerds. I haven't hired any cheese background people mm-hmm. before, so mm-hmm. um, and they're kind of hard to come by every once in a while. It's true. Um, in Denver too. Um, so, but I imagine you get a lot of. Uh, folks who are curious or, or at least really into the beer and like you said about customers like converting someone who's really geeky about beer into some into becoming someone who's interested in cheese is yeah. kind of an easy win. Do you find that with your staff as well? Oh yeah, very much so. Mm-hmm. And some of the people there are our staff is some of them are very beer focused and some are just good food focused mm-hmm. as well. Right, so. so they're into all of it. Yeah, and then I think our team is really a close-knit kind of family. Mm-hmm. Um Anthony and I are pretty much there every day and we're a couple so we kind of are the you know you're you're living your full life at work yes exactly <laughs> and then everybody else is there pretty much full-time as well so oh that's nice yeah it's how kinda, big is the team um so the team's about 13 people right now I think okay. with uh about five of them being part-time okay great yeah so it's pretty close-knit and um Everybody's very passionate about cheese, so that's great. Very eager to learn. I bet I want to like come for one of your pre-shift meetings. Yes, this is like the kind of place I want to <laughs> hang out. Just hang out. Just like that's hear the... what you're all talking about. Yeah, we have a lot of regulars who will just sit at the chef's counter for like four hours at a time and wow. just have like one beer. Very like, and they'll just have it very slowly and just wow. kind of listen and hang out. That's so you, we're very much in the open, and everything is. Uh, Do you feel like you expect it? Like, is is the response and and are your customers similar to what you expected it would be or is it different in some way? Um, for the most part, it's kind of what I expected it to mm-hmm. be. I um, What I was kind of surprised about that I more noticed kind of very towards the beginning was like we said that there wasn't as many solely coming for the beer nerd. Mm, right, <laughs> that people also wanted. They wanted food. more, mm-hmm. yeah. And then also the thing is that when you're serving just sour beer, nobody, they can't bring their mom. They can't bring their uh, right. their cousin who doesn't like sour right. beer right. or isn't really necessarily willing to try something else. So um, right. that was one thing that we kind of had to adapt to was mm. that um, larger groups and things like yeah. that, that you need to have something for everybody yeah. as much as we want to provide this kind of niche market to um, yeah, provide exactly what we you mm. know, have envisioned. I don't think that we sacrifice anything that we want to put out there for the customer. Right. I just think we had to add a couple other yeah. things to get them in the door. And that's the thing is somebody comes in and they order a glass of rosé. Mm-hmm. A glass of rosé really doesn't taste that different than a lot of our <laughs> fruit-forward <laughs> right. sours. And so that little like overlap, especially mm. if they're eating a cheese and you give them a taste of taste a sour beer, to try it. it's going to, mm. they're going to segue really over fun. and then just come back in. So I really think that the, the staff and customer interaction mm-hmm. is has been a lot of fun. What for you, you know, I it's I I can only imagine how much time you must spend at work because it sounds like a lot probably. Yeah, a lot uh, in the building and then a lot is since Anthony and I live together, it's like we go like home and we're just still just like you're we, in it. <laughs> we always joke around. It's like we're like we're not going to talk about work and then we just like go out <laughs> to eat somewhere and then it's like goes off into this tangent. We're like shoot, like get back. <laughs> we were, we're like, supposed stop. to not do it. But at the same time, it's like if you're having fun while you're doing it and yeah. we're passionate about it and we enjoy doing it together, then you yeah. know why really? Oh yeah, no problem there. Exactly. So what is it at this point? Like what do you find yourself talking about? What what are you and Anthony talking about the most? 
these days, work-wise? Um, I think we really are excited about, you know, mostly collab the collaborative efforts that we've been able to mm-hmm. do now, that we're kind of two years in and kind of have our base mm-hmm. more set there. Right. Um, the opportunity to do other projects um, So has like been, the beer that you washed Parish Hill with, yeah. even just doing that beer alone is, yes. is what you mean? And yes. then also the cheese, obviously. Exactly. So we did the beer, and then we're going to do another version of the beer every single year that's going to have a slightly different variation on, and I kind of hope oh, to expand neat. that with different cheeses, as, um, cheese collaborations as well. Mm-hmm. And then, um, I mean, we're going... Our staff is going to Belgium this year. What? I know. Your whole staff? Uh, we invited the whole staff. They had to pay the, for their flights. And so most of them obviously hopped on board with that. Yeah. But we're going to Tour de Goose. So Goose is like a kind of a three-year blended Lambic. So uh, Is that spelled G-U-E-Z-E? Yes. I never know how to say that out loud. Will you please say it again? Okay, Goose. It's like Goose, but with a G. Oh, I'm yeah. so relieved. Yes. Now I know how to now say it. Now you know how. <laughs> That's the one thing we never want to come across. Yeah. pretentious there and it's like between the name and the right. names of the cheeses the names of the beers the styles There's of the beers you gotta be really take it down a notch and just talk to people right as it is so okay so yeah. wait back to this back trip. to the trip <laughs> how did this happen yeah. i mean this is like the kind of thing you're two years into a brand new business <laughs> to orchestrate something like that i feel like there are super established businesses that like cannot Can't. even do the schedule for yes. next week so tell us how this happened um to be honest it's kind of a whirlwind i'm still figuring it out <laughs> um anthony and john our owners went mm-hmm. to uh the International Pizza Expo Amazing. in Vegas, <laughs> and they just came back and told us we were going to Belgium. Wow. So um, I'm still trying to figure out how it's all going to work, but... Um, That's amazing. Yeah, so we're going to so, get to let, meet a lot of great um, producers out there and kind of see... I'm really intrigued to see how just food and that beer mm-hmm. is presented in that environment to kind of bring that back home. Right. And, uh, yeah, like take what other non-beer things are they going to have at exactly. that? Exactly. Yeah, like yeah, and how are they going to present it? And just even looking at some of their websites, it's like there will be like raw milk farmstead cheeses and mm-hmm. house-made charcuterie available for sale. It's like, what does that even mean? What, yeah, <laughs> what is that going to be like? Exactly. So I'm really excited to see how that... Wow. Yeah. And so will you, I assume you'll close the... You close the yeah. tap room for a few days? Yeah, we're going to close for a few days. Um, there is some staff staying back, so we're kind of figuring out if we want to go to if like could just happen. serve yeah. some like bread and butter and mm-hmm. beer. But at some point, you know, you always want to deliver your hmm. concept to the fullest. And so yeah. I don't want to. Now, is this so with this kind of idea and the other projects that you're pursuing, do you feel like like what comes first, the idea or like the budgeting? <laughs> Sadly, the idea it might not be the smartest, move, I, I, the smartest business move. But I think for the most part, we're able to mm-hmm. get the idea and then kind of figure out how to make it work. Mm. And then going back to that captive audience, that's where I feel like I'm kind of when it comes to cheese buying and also with our projects that we um, we're able to sell that, you know, mm. really expensive right. cool cheese that right. you kind of have a harder time in a retail environment because when you Mm-hmm. It's just, it's harder to right. sell somebody on a half pound of it versus right. like and an $8 like ounce minutes. of something. Ah, you're so, so right. Um, so I really think that you're able to, and we price our cheeses by the ounce differently. Hmm. So on our menu, it's like just similarly going down a draft list. So like so each of them has their, their own price. price. And oh, so wow. at first I thought I would maybe push people away from mm-hmm. the higher priced items. No. They dive right in because they realize that it's 
There's a reason. There's a reason it's higher mm. priced. So it's um, it's kind of been interesting to, but I try to keep it at a pretty within a good range. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. There's something for everybody there, which I also think allowed me to put some cheeses that are more approachable price as well. So like, right. there's some cheeses that you can get an ounce for three and a half dollars. So, That's so great. So you can come in and just have one cheese and a beer and be out the door for like 12 bucks. And it's, that's amazing. Yeah. Uh, and uh, my, now I feel dizzy. Yeah. Just thinking about that reality, <laughs> yeah. living in New York City. Yeah. That's where I, I walk out my front door and somehow I've lost, lost 12 bucks. Exactly. <laughs> um, okay. Now here's a question for, for the, like the, the wonky retailer and restaurant folk listening. Uh, how, how much of that do you print on a menu? Like how logistically tough is that? Or do, have you, do you have a system where getting those prices in the right place and out to the customers correctly, like how hard is that? Very difficult. <laughs> that's like my whole job. And that's why it, I was saying like the office calls me more I than I would like. About this. That's a lot of it. And then mm. since I recently took over as GM, I guess it's not so recently anymore. <laughs> it's like six months now, but you know, kind of congratulations. Handled, thank you. But kind of handling more of that. The numbers. The numbers. Mm-hmm. And I was already doing the pricing for the cheese before, but now like the invoice paying mm-hmm. and billing and, you know, all of that stuff has been, totally, you know, not as as simple. And then just the amount of paper that we go through drives yes. me bonkers sometimes, yeah. but there really isn't a... So I try to keep it a little, some stuff similar and then kind of keep a special sheet for that mm-hmm. stuff that's only going to be there for a few days, you know? Right, right. Wow. Oh my gosh. Well, lots of menu changes. Lots of learning how to use illustri- oh, oh, like a d- Illustrator it, yeah. and making the menus and all of that has been a fun and well, yeah, now you big have endeavor. Graphic design chops. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> what do you feel like is your favorite part of a given day? Like a really specific actual moment? I love it when someone comes in and is just like, what are you excited about? Because mm. I get to go off on you know, whatever yeah. tangent that I want to. And most of the time when people ask that, they're asking because they want to come on board. Mm-hmm. So, uh, um, you yeah. know, there's lots of different things that, and especially at the counter too, because then I can, they'll have a cheese and I'll put a suit and we make all of our different accoutrements and everything in house as well. Oh, you do. So all the, any accompaniment that's going with the cheese. And Absolutely. Do you serve, like if I ordered one cheese at your counter, if I ordered the Robiola, mm-hmm. does that, is that always coming with an accompaniment of yes. some kind? Yes. So every single cheese mm. comes with an accompaniment and they, most of the time, unless, so I have about, like I said, 25 cheeses and we have about like 15 different accompaniments. Wow. Oh, um, so fun. So you can kind of mix and match. And then also with that, it's kind of fun to, you know, hear what they they're like, I actually put this cheese with this jam instead. Mm-hmm. And I are like, I put this, like the onion jam on the prosciutto and it was delicious. And just kind of right. hearing like what speaks to people's palates differently, I think is really, yeah. really fun to play around and that there's no, to try to make cheese and charcuterie and sour beer and all this seem less intimidating because it's not, yeah, there's it no shouldn't wrong be. Answers. There's no wrong answer. Like the funny, the question that I always love is, you put down the board and you explain what everything is and then they go so how do I eat it <laughs> it's like however you want yeah literally like, they're you like can do, it do I make little everything. sandwiches like what do I do I'm like just if, be inspired just mix and match do what you want like I put my suggested pairing next like mm-hmm. suggested accompaniment with the cheese but that's not nec- that's what I right pick so I try like- not to like douse the cheese you know and some like peach jam when you don't like peaches you know and things like that very smart yeah 
Wow. Oh, man. I feel like I'm going to go check flight prices to Denver yes. the minute I get home. <laughs> There's some good deals every once in a while. You're always welcome. <laughs> oh, wow. Rachel, I can't believe it, but we've come to the end of the show. Wow, that went by fast. It did. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining me Thank in the studio today. Thank you for having today. me. And good luck with the rest of your road trip. Thank you. A long um, drive ahead. A very long drive and a, and a cheese-filled drive. Yes. I feel like I'm hoping, are you going to be posting about the journey on Instagram or yes. how, how can our listeners follow your path? There? I think Instagram is going to be the best. And then when we get back, we're going to kind of make a compilation video, if you will, <gasps> oh, um, and post that. I just noticed Anthony coming up and taking oh, pictures so and videos while we're of, here. Yeah, so. <laughs> a little cameo from the studio here at Roberta's. Absolutely. Okay, great. <laughs> awesome. Well, I can't wait. Um, I can't wait to see all of that and hear about this and taste this new amazing cheese that you've done with uh, Parish Hill called... I can't wait either. Acid Washed. Acid Washed. Oh, yeah. It's so funny that you haven't tried it. I know. I (laughs) I almost asked him to send it to me overnight, and I was like, I can wait a day. Yeah, this is actually not necessary. (laughs) Although I completely relate to that. Yes. (laughs) Oh, dear. Well, listeners, we hope you enjoyed this episode. Please keep the conversation going with us on Twitter and Instagram at Cutting the Curd or shoot us an email at CuttingTheCurd at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll be back soon with more Cutting the Curd. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to learn more about our 10-year anniversary celebrationing happening all year long, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. And connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritageradionetwork. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.